In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Thank you, Dan. Well, how about that? Last week we had to deal with your marriages and divorce and all that kind of stuff, and now, um, now we have to deal with money. Your money. Uh, who, who's excited? Raise your hands. All right, two of you. Okay, great. <laughs> you know, I do have to say this, though. It is such a joy and a privilege to be able to read and hear the Word of God, to have it speak to us. Because what it says to us is freedom. If we're listening, it's freedom and it's joy. This is God's Word. It's spoken to us, for us. And if we let it, it will transform our lives. Nothing else speaks as powerfully. So even though it sometimes says things that are hard to hear, hard to deal with, we count it a joy that God has even spoken and spoken to us. So let's open our hearts to what He has to say today. You'll remember a few weeks ago we heard Jesus telling his disciples that if your hand causes you to sin, you should cut it off. Remember that? And if your eye causes you to sin, you should gouge it out. He said it's better to enter life maimed than to go with your whole body into hell. You should go into, uh, you should enter life with one eye. Go into the kingdom of God with one eye rather than go into hell with both eyes wide open. Those are shocking things to hear. But remember, Jesus isn't talking about self-mutilation. He's talking about self-liberation. When, when we said that when we think about what we're made for as human beings, that when we consider that what we're made for is to love God with everything that we have, to love God with our heart and our mind and our soul and our strength, then loving Him, uh, if we have anything in our lives that keeps us from doing that, that anything that holds us back, and cutting it off, getting rid of those things, actually is liberating to us because it helps us to love Him with everything that we are. So it's not about self-mutilation. It's about self-liberation. Two week, that was two weeks ago. And then last week, we looked at what Jesus said about marriage and divorce. You remember how that subject came up? This is what's crazy to me. Some Pharisees came up to Jesus and they had this question so they could test Him. Um, and they asked him if it was lawful for a man to divorce his wife. Something that occurred to me after I preached my sermon last week is this. Think about who it is that's asking Jesus this question. These are the, these are the Pharisees. These are the ones who have made it their life to be the people that did everything right. These are the do-gooders. These are the people that were trying to live the perfect, the most righteous and upright life. They prided themselves on this. But what did they ask Jesus? It's astounding when you think about it. They didn't ask Jesus, Jesus, how can, we good, how can we be good husbands to our wives? They didn't ask him that. They didn't say, how can we fulfill God's purpose for marriage? Or what does God want our marriages to look like? That's not what they asked. These do-gooders, these righteous ones, asked, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? Is that not astounding? You can learn a lot about a person by listening to the questions that that person asks. And these holy ones, they ask whether it's lawful to divorce their wives. Pretty unbelievable. When we looked at what God says about marriage and divorce, it was clear that faithfulness is what God does. I've got a bug flying in my ears, through my ears, 
and like crawling in between my eyes and my glasses. That's why I'm hitting myself. All right. <laughs> All right. Anyway, when we look at what God said, it's clear that the faithfulness is what God desires for marriage. From the beginning, God made each of us so that we were built in such a way that it's not good for us to be alone. We were made for community. We were designed to need each other. It's part of our nature as human beings. And so God gave man and woman for each other. Each had a strength that the other person needed. And they were married and they became one flesh. Bone of each other's bone. Flesh of each other's flesh. And Jesus said that no one should put asunder. No one should separate what God has joined together. But then Jesus said that sometimes divorce is necessary. And that God allows divorce, not because he wants it, but because of the hardness of our hearts. He allows it because of sin. But it's never God's purpose for marriage. But when sin has caused the marriage to grow sick to the point of death, through adultery or abuse or deception, then uh, those things have broken the marriage. And sometimes the only thing that can be done is radical surgery to separate the one flesh. It's like an amputation. Sometimes the only way to survive is to amputate. But it's never what you start off life hoping for. That was last week. And now this week we have to talk about money. And, there's, and here's what's happening in our gospel reading. A rich young man, a rich young ruler, as we learn in another gospel, comes to Jesus and he falls at Jesus' feet and he says, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And what a great question that is. I want to look at that question, and I want to look at Jesus' response. Because it, I think that the question that this man asks says a lot about who he is. And Jesus' response ought to really challenge all of us. So let's consider that question first. Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Think about who's asking this. Here's a person who has it all. He is young. He is rich. And he's in charge. We don't know how he became a rich ruler at such a young age, but here he is where so many people in our world want to be. Think about your friends. Think about your own dreams. How many of them involve not having a boss and having all the resources you need, lacking nothing in the way of comfort and security and control? This is a guy, and he's got it. He's right there. What everyone wants, he's God. But when he sees Jesus, something in him says, even with all that I've got, there's still something that I lack. So here's a man with spiritual sensitivity. And even with all of his riches and power, he still feels like he lacks something. And I'm sure you've heard stories like this, right? We hear stories about people who seemingly have everything, yet they still feel like they're missing something. That there must be more to life than money and fame and power. And maybe you felt like that. I mean, here in Rosemary Beach, this is where we are. We're in Rosemary Beach. And all along 38, there are a lot of people who have had a lot of success in life. Big success. Lots of people here have lots of money. Do, but do they feel do they feel fulfilled? Maybe some do. But a lot, if they are honest, feel like something is missing. Even though they are among the richest people in the world, they feel like there must be more to life. And maybe you're like that today. 
Maybe that's something that you felt deep down, that there must be more to life than this. And so here's this rich young ruler, and he knows. He knows that he's missing something. He knows that even with all of his riches, he's still missing out on eternal life, on that eternal kind of life that Jesus calls us to. And so he falls at Jesus' feet, and he asks him, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And this is Jesus' response. You know the commandments, and he lists several of them. And this young man says he's kept them, all of them, from his youth. And Jesus doesn't dispute that. He seems to take this man at his word. Perhaps he has kept the commandments from his youth. But what were the commandments for? Why were they given in the first place? Well, the commandments were given to help form a people who loved God with everything they were. That's what the commandments were for. They were to help form and shape a people who would love God with every fiber of their being, to love God with all their heart and soul and mind and strength. And so look at what Jesus does next. He hears this man's answer, and then when he looks upon this man, it says that Jesus loves him. He loves this man. He's not trying to be mean to him. He's not trying to hurt him. He loves him. He wants to save him. He wants to bring this man to eternal life. In fact, he would even die for this man. That's how much he loves him. And so he answers the man's questions, but his answer strikes right at this man's heart. Let me just read this part to you. Jesus said, you lack one thing. Go, sell what you own and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. When he heard this, he was shocked and went away grieving, for he had many possessions. Then Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. Now, I don't know about you, but this scares me. Because whether you think of yourself as rich or not, you, sitting here today, are among the richest people ever to have lived on the earth. Have you ever thought about that? Now, I'm not rich in the United States. Nobody in the United States looks at me and says, wow, he's rich. But compared to my friends in Uganda, compared to 99% of the people that have ever lived, I'm unimaginably wealthy. And Jesus says, how hard it will be for me to enter the kingdom of God. And then he goes on and he makes it even worse. Ready? He makes it even worse. He says, it's impossible. He says, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of an eagle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. And just in case you weren't clear on this, a camel can't go through the eye of an eagle. It can't happen. So what Jesus is saying in a very um, imaginative way is, it's impossible. It cannot happen. It's easier for the impossible to happen than for me to enter the kingdom of God. It's easier for that to happen than for you to enter the kingdom of God. It just can't happen. It's impossible. Now, does that scare you just a little? What did Jesus do to this man? This young man who had it all, he went away grieving. He went away grieving. What did Jesus do? You know what Jesus is doing? He's doing radical surgery on this man. He told him to cut it off, 
He told him to gouge it out. He told him to take his idol and smash it. He told him to take his one thing that gave his life meaning and self-worth and to give it all away and follow me. Give it all away and follow Jesus. Find your self-worth, not in your money, but in me, Jesus said. Now, Jesus doesn't require everyone to give away all their possessions. We know this because Zacchaeus only gave away 50%. The biblical standard is only 10%. 10%. Give away 10%. Give, your, give a tithe. But for this man, Jesus required him to give all of his money away. And why? It's because his money was his Savior. Money was what gave his life meaning. Money was what made him who he was. Money was the one thing that he couldn't live without, and so Jesus required it of him. So I wonder what your one thing is. What is the one thing in your life? What is the one thing that gives your life meaning? What's the one thing that if Jesus says, I want you to give that up for me, you couldn't do it? Something to pray about this week. Jesus doesn't always call us to give up all of our possessions. That might not be it for you. But if there is anything that is holding you back from really going for it, from really giving your all to him, then he's going to point at that thing and he's going to say, it has to go. And So what's your one thing? Whatever it is, is it able to save you in the end? Will you be able to cry out for it to save you when the time comes? Will it hear you and come to your rescue? Then it needs to go. Okay, so, so far we've got utterly no hope. It's impossible for us to go to heaven, so what are we even doing here? So let me see if I can bring this to a close uh, and without us going away grieving. Because that's the way the rich man went away. He went away grieving. Because he couldn't do what Jesus was calling him to do. So what's the right response to something so hard? The right response is to fall on your knees before Jesus and to tell him that you want to do what he's asking you to do, but you just can't. You want to, but you don't know how. You want to, but you are afraid. You ask him to help you to trust him. You ask him to make you able to let go of everything else and follow him. Because see, our hope is not in what we can do. That's not the hope. Our hope is in the fact that Jesus knows. He knows that you cannot do it. He knows that it's impossible for you. But he says, in our reading today, he says that what's impossible with us is possible with God. And that's our hope. Not in our ability to force a camel through the eye of a needle. Not in our ability to do the impossible and give up everything. Our hope is in Jesus. Because see, he's the true rich young ruler. And he was rich and he left his father's right hand. And he set aside all of his riches. He set aside everything and became poor for us. He's the rich young ruler who was able to give up unimaginable riches for that rich young ruler who couldn't. He did that for you. He did that for me. That's our hope. Our hope is in Jesus. Jesus who was rich, who be but became poor for us. He knows it's impossible for us, 
That's why he came. He knows it's impossible for us. That's why he came. To do the impossible for us and to make us heirs of eternal life. Okay, I hope that made it a little bit more hopeful at the end. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for looking upon us and loving us enough to give up your riches so that we could have eternal life. Forgive us for loving things in this life more than we love you. And Lord, we ask that you would give us the grace to set aside and give away those things in our lives that keep us from loving you with all our heart. Lord, we want to be able to do that. You alone are worthy of our love and our affection. We love you and we bless you today. And it's your mighty name that we pray. Amen. Please stand with me. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord.